Today on the podcast, I've got Ian Paget with me. Um, most of you know him as the Logo Geek, and I'm really honoured for him to be on. I've admired sort of just his level of intellect and how basically his feedback is always very well considered and I always learn from it and his obsession with logos is kind of fascinating but admirable as well he's he's built up you know a hell of a following uh, both you know online and through a community and I think you know do you know what we're all into logos we're all into kind of developing sort of passive income streams and how can we develop something we're passionate about and turn it into something that can support us and to be honest when he said yes I was thrilled so Thank you for coming on, Ian. I really appreciate your time. You're very welcome, Thad. I mean, like I said, it's really great to meet you and um, I appreciate everyone that's listening and hopefully this will be a really interesting conversation. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I've I, Obviously, you know, I've got a few questions for you, uh, but it's always good to put some sort of context into kind of how you got where you are today. Um, so if you could just give us sort of a brief overview of kind of uh, how you got into where you are and your where you've been working and, and your kind of like origin story, I guess. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'll try to go through it um, fairly quickly. And if you want me to dive into anything in more detail, um, just shout and I'll do that. Um, but basically, um, I did not study graphic design at university. I I went the, uh, the route of being really lucky to have got a, a job where I could pick up graphic design. So, um, you know, going back to like days of school, I was always passionate about art design. Um, it was always something I wanted to do, you know, something creative. Um, and uh, I was quite lucky when I was about 21 to get a job um, at a medical company. Um, and at that company, what uh, they, they, they offered me um, an admin based role where uh, about 10% of that job was uh, graphic design related. So um, it was working on posters and uh, brochures and anything that the sales team needed. Uh, but the rest of the time, it was kind of picking up the phone, booking hotels, you know, doing little bits and pieces for the sales team they had there. Yeah. And um, I was in that company for about five years. When I first started, I'd, I'd never touched any graphic design software. Okay. So it was pretty much the first time I'd ever used a, a Mac first time I'd ever used any of the software um, but they they took me on because they they knew that I enjoyed you know art design stuff like that and mm -hmm. uh, I mean prior to me starting what they were doing a lot of it was stick figure, stick figure stuff and just things kind of thrown together in uh, Quark Express that's what they were using oh, gotcha. back in those days I remember that yeah um, but uh, yeah it was I was terrible on the phone and I still am now <laughs> But I, I used to get so incredibly nervous on the phone. So they used to kind of give me all the posters and things because they found that's what I was good at. Yeah. And, um, you know, over the space of the the, the time I was there, um, uh, I, I kind of put together a, a brochure. They saw some potential in me. They offered me some training at a local print company. Um, I picked up skills from them and I just kept learning um, as much as I can. Um, and then eventually they bought all of the graphic design stuff that they used to outsource to a freelance designer mm -hmm. in-house. Um, that team, like I said, that was only 10% graphic design became 100% graphic design and we kind of built a little team and 
in the end, we were doing all the illustration, photography, literature, everything the company needed all came in-house and, um, you know, they, they really nurtured my enthusiasm for um, graphic design. So yeah. I basically got to a point after five years where I hit a glass ceiling. So I moved on to a company uh, where I became, first of all, it was lead graphic designer. And then I became uh, one of the directors for the company. Oh, um, yeah. And I really focused on um, that. That was more web-based graphic design. But what I loved about that in comparison to the previous role is that it was lots of different companies and we had to work really fast. Yeah. So say, you know, if they needed a website, you pretty much needed to turn it all around in the day. Um, if they needed something for an exhibition, the exhibition would be like the week after. And if you can imagine if they needed like print stuff, very busy doing lots of different things. Um, but as for where the logo design and graphic design stuff came from, um, I've always done side projects. Okay. Um, like I said, because because I'm primarily self-taught, although I've had some kind of help along the way, I'm primarily self-taught. Um, so in my free time, I've always like taken on, you know, fun little side projects. So yeah. um, at first it was things like movie posters or album artwork for people on MySpace. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I used to do a lot of that. And uh, then... Uh, there was this thing in this town where I used to live. Uh, these uh, two guys, uh, they were animators at that time. They created this thing called Media Circus, and it was great. I loved it because I could go there, um, and they basically do workshops with children creating games and movies and stuff like that. And I used to go there and volunteer. Oh, cool. And I got to know the guys that uh, worked on that, and they started doing uh, games uh, yeah, iPhone games, and I, I kept pestering them, saying I'd love to get involved in this. Yeah, and uh, I did so much work for them in the end. It was all for free, and none, none of it paid. It was all like passion projects between us. Yeah, uh, but we ended up doing an iPhone game uh, that took years. It took absolute years. It took about four years, um, and it got me into the routine of kind of going to work, coming home, doing a bit of work. Yeah, and just it got me into this routine of of um, you know really focusing on something on the side. And when that project ended, or whilst I was exhausted, I was keen to get my teeth into something else. Yeah, and um, that's when the logo design topic came out. So I was speaking to my partner at the time, and I said I really enjoy, I, I you know I'd love to work on some more graphic design work or projects of some kind and she suggested um logo design and i thought it was a great idea because i uh, at that medical company i did a lot of technical illustration yeah and um you know uh, logo design kind of fixed that um, need for illustration and um i like the technical aspect of it that there was you know you're not just creating a pretty picture you there, there's more to a logo Yes. And um, also a project is fairly short term. So you, rather than working on this mammoth project that took years, you could literally start a project and, you know, say like two two weeks pass, you could pretty much have the whole thing done. So at that time, it was, it was great and um, registered a domain and uh, kind of went from there and just kept building on it. And I, I can't believe looking back now that, 
uh, Logogi, which is the domain I come to in the end. It was literally one that was available. Yeah. Um, I can't believe what it's become. Um, but that's pretty much that in a nutshell. Um, I can keep going, but no, that's <laughs> I'm, really interesting. I'm sure you've got loads of other questions. Yeah, I, I think what's really impressive and admirable is that desire to kind of come home and want to work on other projects. And I think that's it's really, really difficult. And I think, like you said, it's, it, if you're mm. obsessed with it and you're enjoying it, then that's great. But I think also that thing, as you said, it's kind of a lot of love. It's it's for free often. It's kind of I'm not being paid probably what I should be. I'm I'm investing hours and hours of time. How did you find like the kind of drive to do that? Oh, well, at the beginning, it was nothing to do with, um, you know, wanting to get paid or wanting money. It was it was fun for me because um, growing up, one of my dreams was to do an an illustrated book. And, you know, when I was like between 16 and 18, I did a lot of drawings of monsters and stuff like that. And I wanted to learn how to turn that into a real thing. Yeah. And uh, when I um, got to this point where I kind of had a job that needed me to do illustrations, like I, I didn't know how any of this stuff was done at that time. And I remember looking through the brochures when I first started there going, how do you do that? How does that work? How is that done? I, and I was just, for, for me, it was all about learning. I just wanted to know how anything looked. You know, if I picked uh, like a magazine up or if I saw an image or a poster, I'd just be there like, how do you do that? How is that done? Mm -hmm. So in my free time, those projects I did, you know, working with other people or the projects I took on MySpace, I didn't do it for free because I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm I, I never like the, the idea of freelance never even come to mind for me it's just like oh this is a cool project I want to do this it was fun yeah it, it was it was a real passion um I mean the 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 logo design side of things that became a little bit more serious because when I first started um that I, I I'd been doing these fun side projects for like 10 years and I've been doing them for years yeah and like the the one of the very first logo projects I got when someone asked me to do it and they offered me some money, I thought, oh, brilliant, I can go out and buy a, a, I don't know, PlayStation game or something, you know. Yeah. It, it, I saw it like pocket money at the beginning because I'd already had a job. I'd already had an income. So to do something that I enjoyed and get paid for it, even if it was like 20 quid or, you know, 50 quid at the beginning. Yeah. That was exciting enough for me because it's like, um, I mean, £50 for a logo when it's your full-time profession is absolutely ridiculous amount of money. But when you already have a job and for you it's exciting and it's a whole new area that you want to learn about, for me that was, oh, brilliant, you know, pocket money. And then, it, you know, like the next project is like, oh, if I do that, then we can go on holiday there. And if I do that, and it, it was just exciting because... Um, uh, when when I was when I started on Logo Geek, I hadn't done that many logos. And one of the things I loved about the um, creative director role that I had is, you know, we we did a lot of web based work, but the occasional project that came in was logo designs. But they were so rare, you know, they would just be once a month or every couple of months. And and I found I I really loved doing this. But every time it come around to doing it again, I kind of felt like I needed to relearn how to do this. And uh, for me, it was 
I, I just wanted to learn more about it. So um, every project that came in was an opportunity to learn and improve my skills. And um, I just got I kind of got an obsession with it and kept reading more and learning more about it. And uh, it's amazing how many layers and stuff there is to logo design yeah. that even after like literally you can see behind me i've got so many books yeah i've read practically all of the books that are out on logo design and i still pick stuff up all the time yes. that i haven't read in any of those books and uh i find it absolutely fascinating and i think one of the things that's also really you know fueled it all is um social media and building an audience around logo design and having those people that are expecting me to share more about logo design it's funny how all these things in combination really drive your passion and enthusiasm around something yes. so i don't hopefully that answered your question <laughs> no absolutely it's, it's like you said there, there is something about doing something when it's not uh, there's no pressure on it it's more fun and you just mm. love doing it and to get paid is a bonus because it's like well i'm just happy to have the opportunity and I know yeah. that I had that. I've had that before when I've been DJing. I've loved that. Again, it's like I'm just happy just to collect records and and mix. But then you're gonna ask me to mix in in a club or a bar, and I'm like, oh my god! And then you're gonna pay me like just in yeah. beers, and I'm like, yes. Yeah. And I had it with coaching. I th I think, got fully I, addicted. I would to it. say I think there's a lot more pressure now because of the internet. If you post about anything online about doing something for free, people absolutely flip out. But when when I was doing this stuff. There wasn't, as far as I'm aware, there wasn't YouTube, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't Twitter, there wasn't any of these social media things. So I had absolutely no idea that I'm kind of devaluing the industry. That's what, you know, people I suppose, say now. I, I didn't know I was doing that. It was just fun and exciting. But it's, it's just a relationship between you and the client. So like you're helping them and you're happy. I, I, I know what you mean. The trouble is it's kind of, I think everyone is told... The, the temptation I find is that thing of it's very easy to kind of go, you should always be taking a value-based pricing approach and you should always be looking to yeah, maximize yeah, yeah. your maximum impact. And I, I kind of go, yeah, I understand that's fine, but sometimes that's exhausting. And also it's kind of mm -hmm. like, wouldn't it be nice just to, what's wrong with having these are my prices? Because I can't be bothered to keep having these conversations, trying to uncover value every time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like, mm -hmm. so, you know, and I think also having owned a hotel, if you had a value-based price conversation with me about it, my answer would probably be, sure. I'm all right. Like, I get it, but I've got to mm -hmm. fix windows and toilets and staff are being a nightmare. So, that, so I understand it from both sides. But I think what's, what's fascinating and what I really like is, again, I really admire your appetite for learning and always kind of like, mm. I know you can say, well, I was enjoying myself, but I still, it's, there's so many other temptations which are going to easily eat, eat up time. So to stay at it is impressive. Mm. And I think that's testament to the community you've grown. And obviously, as you said, you're kind of like, you've got to this point where, and I was reading on your website, you were saying that kind of you, you split your time between the logo geek stuff and your work stuff now. So mm -hmm. I'm really, really curious to how you kind of, what was the trajectory of growing that where it got to a tipping point where you were like, do you know what? I'm kind of, I think I, I'm not quite sure which is going to be the one I pursue now. If you know what I mean? Like it's actually what was a hobby yeah. and I'm chatting online is actually becoming something that I've got to take seriously. Um, I try and give a short answer to this because it is probably quite a long um, story, but 
like I said, Logo Geek started just as this fun side thing. I, I, in terms of a career, my um, plan, you know, growing up was always to pretty much work my way up and hopefully get into, you know, like a London branding agency and just keep going up the ladder in that way. Not at any point did I ever consider that Logo Geek would become something that would would eventually become my main source of income, which it is uh, today. Uh, that was never a plan. Um, so when I started that, for, for me, it was just nice to work on those projects. And um, it, it was a little bit like a, a game for me uh, because um, within, within the company that I worked at, um, at one point I oversaw someone that did a lot of our um, social media marketing and mm -hmm. I was kind of their manager and I picked up a lot of things from them and uh, within the same agency as well we had an SEO team and I was really lucky that I've been able to pick stuff up from from them in the 10 years I've been working for the company so at the beginning it's a little bit like a game like but I think when it became you know a little bit more serious is when um I think on Twitter, I grew my Twitter following to like 8,000 and my website had a few blogs and a few bits and pieces online and um, I got invited to be on the jury for uh, this uh, competition called Transform Awards mm -hmm. and I mean they, they do them all around the country and uh, that was really exciting because I got invited to this thing in London and um, some people around the table, you know, they were like editors for magazines and they worked for agencies and stuff like that. And like the the actual building that we went into to do it as well was the the place where they uh, did a lot of the branding for Apple. So that was just, you know, absolutely exciting. And then when I went to the awards event, um, there was all these agency owners and stuff like that. You know, people like, I don't know if you know, like Simon Manchip from someone and... Uh, these other big agencies and it was so cool to be able to meet these people and spend time with them and um, at that time on the award site because I was on the jury they put my logo and something happened on my website because of that because they they stuck a link and my logo on the bottom of every single page of the whole website and my website went from being absolutely nowhere on Google to jumping up to page one, like just for like a day or half a day or something, you know, because the, the results seemed to jump. And uh, I got loads of emails. And it suddenly got me thinking, oh, my God, I never thought this was actually possible that if I did that and that and that, I could actually get my website on Google. And it that really fired me up like oh, I have to get on page one of Google now and it became a little bit of a game but this fun game you know uh, I don't know I don't know if you play things like Pokemon and things like that you know yeah. growing the numbers and things it's it, it does become a game so I just started a routine like okay if if I I, I worked out if I do that that and that one day I will be able to be on the same level as people like JP Cass and David Airy and people like that. I just worked it out. I, and I know that it would work. So 
things like posting on social media, I started a routine. So every morning when I woke up, rather than flicking through Facebook, which is what I do, um, most people have an, an addiction to their phone. Um, so rather than just scrolling through Facebook, first thing in the morning, I'd open up Twitter, find something about logo design and post it. And I did that absolutely every day. Um, I don't do it that uh, routine as much now, but I tried to post very frequently. But literally, I used to wake up at like quarter past six. First thing I do is open up my Twitter, um, interact with people, follow people and post. And that just became a routine. And um, likewise, I kept tinkering on my website. Any uh, like say if I had a weekend spare and I wanted something to do, maybe I write a blog post or I put a case study together or I just kept building on what I had and everything just started to grow and grow and grow and grow. And uh, my website did start to rank higher up on Google. I mean, here today it jumps between page one and page two for really generic terms like logo design. And uh, I just got to this point, phone kept ringing all day long whilst I'm at work. My emails, uh, it's not like it now, but there was a point where I would get like 20 inquiries, you know, in the same amount. And I'd, uh, I worked as a creative director, so it's a really demanding role. Mm. And uh, you know, sometimes I would stay and work late and uh, very busy. And then I come home, um, didn't really want to work, but I felt like I had to, you know? And it just, this thing that was exciting suddenly became something a little bit unpleasant, like a monster. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh, you can't get rid of the emails. And if you don't reply to the emails, people start complaining. Your phone keeps ringing and you're like, oh, I don't want to pick that up now. I want to just do that. And it just got to a point where I felt like I have to make a choice between this and that. And uh, I, I could not make my mind up ever. Wow. And it was driving everyone around me nuts because I kept talking about it all the time. Um, and I made my mind up. I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to. I'm just going to focus on work, and I'm going to forget about that. But couldn't let it go because it kept growing, and it's like I. I don't want to let it go. And I went like that for years. I was kind of stuck in this rut. And I think what really pushed me over the edge. And it's kind of a depressing story, but um, my mum got, she had, um, she had a stroke and then she developed a, a vascular dementia and she was in a home for um, a, a length of time. So, you know, I would go and visit her and you'd, you'd see people at the end of their life and um, she eventually passed away and it, it that type of thing that happens, it gets you thinking about, okay, I'm going to get old one day and I'm going to die. If I don't do this thing, am I going to regret it? Mm -hmm. And I really started thinking about that. And uh, I just got to a point where it's like, I have to do something. I have to do this. You know, it's, it can't really go wrong. I've got so many inquiries coming in and um, everything is going really well. And so I, I made my mind up. I'm going to hand him a notice in my work where I've been working for years um, and focus entirely on Logo Geek. So 
that was an absolutely terrifying thing to do because yeah. you know comfortable job very secure been there for years um you know enjoy working in a team and stuff like that but i went in took my notice in and um I've been there a long time, you know, they, they, I'm actually formally on the board of directors with that company now. Mm-hmm. And, um, they obviously didn't want me to go. <laughs> so one of the first things my boss said was, would you be interested in going part-time? And <laughs> I thought that, that sounds, that, that sounds good. Cause it means I, I still have the stability of a job. Yeah. But then I'll also have all this time suddenly unlocked to start building Logo Geek into, um, you know, more of a a full-time business and, uh, you know, to do more with it. Because that's, Mm. uh, you know, when when you're building something for years and and you start thinking about what it can be, um, like I said, it's really hard to let that go. Because in my head, I got this like really long-term vision of what, uh, what Logo Geek has the potential to be, and you know, it could be events, it could be books, all sorts of stuff. There's there's so much that can be done with it. And um, yeah, when they offered me part time, I I couldn't really turn that down. Mm. I'm, I'm still in the same position now because I I really love working at the agency because you know we work with bigger companies, work on more complex projects. Um, you know, it's great to be able to get out of the house and go and see a team. But then likewise, it's really exciting to be able to work on your own thing. Um, it's, it, um, hopefully you're not rambling too much, but when I first went freelance, being honest, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we can, we can talk about that if you want to, but I, I just didn't enjoy it at the beginning, but now I found a routine and, um, now it works really well for me but you know being able to take the leap and and being able to focus more time on logo geek has allowed me to you know do things like a podcast um build a community um i've got a paid community now as well you know there's so much that i'm doing i could talk for for hours about it but um i would say like i said the the thing that absolutely pushed me over the edge was my mum passing away and and thinking and i'm still thinking it now and it's literally made me say yes to so many things yeah thinking that you're going to get old and regret something really changes your perspective on so many things yeah it's kind of a a sort of very nice lasting sort of memory and gift isn't it because you know she's made you completely change probably the direction of your life yeah yeah i mean like i said it it wasn't um a a sad moment when when she he did pass away because i mean she was she wasn't well and um you know it was a, a relief when she did but to to kind of give that to me that it was good because after that i i did so so many things like I'd, i always wanted to buy a house but where i was living i couldn't afford it so i'd actually i actually re completely relocated to a place where i could afford to buy a house i did that i i traveled a lot more um you know i've, I've been to places like mexico on my own yeah. Uh, no one else. You know, um, just I, I'd done so many more exciting things. Um, you know, even things like actually being on a podcast and uh, doing video. You know, things like this. A few years ago, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because um, I was diagnosed with social anxiety at one point, so I really pushed myself to do a lot of things. And uh, now I got to a point where I am comfortable, and uh, it all kind of stems back to that same thing. Just thinking back, I don't want to be an old man. And look back when I'm 80 and think, oh, I wish I said yes to that. Oh, I yeah. wonder what would have 
I wonder what would have happened if I did that or, you know. I think that's really important, like you say, because you, you've got these dilemmas often and it's either do I push past it and I'm very thankful that I did or do I let it or do I just mm. curb it a little bit? And I think, as you said, it's this thing of it's just changed your outlook and you've benefited hugely from it. And I know that when I talked to yeah. uh, Scotty Russell about this, he was sort of saying that you need to kind of feel the fear and then push past it. But he said feeling yeah. the fear is a good thing because he know he was like, if I feel scared about doing something, I have to do it because I know that whatever is just beyond it will be worth it. If it doesn't scare me, yeah. then it's not important enough. I need to sort of heighten the expectations. So I think that was it's yeah. a similar kind of I, um, approach. I don't I don't really have that um, a, approach like that. For, for me, it's more um, my greatest fear is, has always been public speaking. Okay. And uh, I remember at one point someone literally said, most people fear death over public speaking. And I literally genuinely said to them, no, I'd, I'd rather die than do that. <laughs> I literally said, it's like, you're joking. Like, nope, <laughs> I really wouldn't want to do that. And and for me, it's, uh, I I really would love to uh, overcome my absolute greatest fear. And that is one of the driving forces of like my podcast and, yeah. um, you know, being a guest on other podcasts and, uh, you know, doing quite, things that are quite out there because it's 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 helping me um overcome something i, I i've had therapy for uh for it a, a few years ago and uh, when they did explain what causes um phobias and things like that understanding how it works and and knowing that you basically i mean there's more to it but basically facing your fear helps so constantly exposing myself to do podcasts allows me to do it in a fairly safe environment yeah like this podcast now if it went wrong i'll just tell you oh do you mind not publishing it yeah it's exactly no, that's fine there's no there's no loss to it no i think I, I don't know if it's true but the theory that i heard behind why we hate hate public speaking is it's to do with apparently when you we were more i guess caveman ish and you were mm. part of your tribe uh if you were Misbeha misbehaving is quite a polite way of putting it, but if you're the pain in the ass in the tribe and you've done something terrible and the tribe kicked you out that isolation meant certain death because you get eaten mm -hmm. so it was this thing <laughs> of you had to stand up in front of the tribe and appeal for them to kind of not kick you out and this kind mm -hmm. of social ritual of standing in front of a group of people pleading for like a second chance and if they go yeah. no it's basically death that's apparently where I've heard Whitney Cummings was talking about. That's where a lot of this starts. It's a very primal mm, fear mm. of if I'm isolated or not accepted or the judgment is negative, um, then it can affect yeah. me. And it, again, it's like a kind of a, a defense response for survival. But there was a guy yeah. who Michael Port, who gave this really, really nice twist on it. He was advising a, a chef who was going to be on TV and the chef was worried about, am I going to be good? Am I going to be popular? Am I going to say the right things? And he just said, don't worry about being good, just be helpful. And it unlocked mm. it for him because he thought, well, yeah, that's easy for me because I can talk about cooking. And if I relax and talk mm. about cooking and just aim to be helpful, that's me being good. And he said that took all the pressure off of mm. trying to perform. Mm. But it is, it's not It's mm. not easy. So I admire your courage to kind of push through these things. Um, I've got a few questions because obviously the community thing, I, I, do, I think the way you've done it, um, it's kind of not the blueprint, but it's the way to do it. You, you build it slowly, you build with quality 
and it naturally reaches a tipping point where you're kind of like, I can't sustain both. So I've got to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And actually the thing I love doing, I think I can monetize and I think there's a bigger future in it. And like you say, it was great. Your work offered you that opportunity kind of to do both and, and keep a foot in both mm. because, you know, it's it's great to see people. I know when you're on your freelancing, it can be <laughs> yeah, alone on your own. Yeah. You need that kind of time in the office, just, you know, talking rubbish to people and just human connection. It's hugely important. I wanted to know mm. just more about kind of when was the first time you fell in love with a logo? Like the first time you saw a logo, like not even like from childhood. Like for me, it might be the Autobot sign from Transformers was probably like the first logo. I was like, oh, I love that. I don't know why. It's shiny. It's colorful. You know, what was yours? Where did you first fall in love with the logo? Oh, my God. I don't. You know what? Nothing actually comes to mind. Um, I mean, I've I've one one logo from like recent days that that i absolutely love mm -hmm. is the my fonts logo and the the reason why and it it's it's when you first look at it it looks like a handwritten my <coughs> yeah. and then font next to it but i don't know how i found out if someone pointed it out to me if i just spotted it one day but look at it it's a hand grabbing the font Really? And it's my like a hand grabbing the fonts, like they're my fonts. Oh wow! And when I realised that, it's like, oh my god, that's so clever. Like and... the um, arrow in the FedEx logo, sort of thing. It's like that. It's yeah, yeah. The, the 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 FedEx logo. You know, whenever it's been clever things, uh, that that's when I um, notice it. I I can't remember specific things from growing up. To be honest, I don't. Like, I don't think there was ever a moment when I you know really thought. Oh, logo design is like the thing I, you know, would. Oh no, no, sorry, I don't mean do. like, they, um... they become kind of in, they they become kind of invisible to you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I said, you know, one that's that that, that really blown me away is that, and things like the tablering logo. When you notice the bear in there, I remember that. That's like, wow, I've I've eaten so many tablerones and I've never noticed. Um. But I would say it's it's been more recently. You know, when I started Logo Geek, that I really started noticing them. Yeah. Because I, I've spoken to, you know, potential clients about this, you know, at networking events. And I point something, you know, out to them. And I actually say, do you ever really look at that? Like, have you ever really stopped and look at, like, the Heineken logo or something like that? Because I tend to describe it as a lot of people don't really see it. They just see the entire entity. They don't really focus on it. Yeah. And the same with, like, a Mars bar logo. If, I bet if you took the Mars bar logo off on its own, you wouldn't recognize it because you see the whole yes, thing. You need the and black I've always, and yeah, you need the whole thing. And uh, yeah, I would say it's been more recently that I really noticed the uh, granular uh, details of, of what can go in. And that's made me start questioning. I wonder why it's like that. Yeah. And then I start digging in and I start reading into it and you're unlocking like a That's hidden story behind really... it sort of thing yeah, so, yeah 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 there, and there's so many there's so many logos like that that have the really granular um details of why certain things are the way that they are what about a logo that's maybe in the mainstream that you've always hated <laughs> that just annoys uh, you oh god i just uh, everyone loves the night hope... i'm just it's just boring <laughs> okay i would say and I'm I'm slightly reluctant to to 
say things like this oh, because just, it uh, always yeah. goes back to the person. No, no, well, no, just say I, like your logo. Spotify. That yeah, go on. Right, Spotify logo. Yeah. What I really hate about it is the wave on the left-hand side does not line up. The okay. wave, it does not line up. I, I, I don't know if you've seen it. It's got three waves. It's a little bit like yeah. the Wi-Fi wi-fi symbols um, logo the yeah. right the right hand side so the angular side that all lines up perfectly if you put um you know a ruler up to it but the left hand side if you put a ruler up against the the middle one isn't quite right and it looks wonky yeah and uh it absolutely drives me nuts is it um, deliberate or is I it do wanna... no i i think it's because the fir- the, the the person that did it originally just did it like that, you know, when it was a small business. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's just the, the business has scaled. But I, I've kind of got a story to this, and it's a little bit why I was reluctant to say anything because I posted on Twitter about that logo and I had a proper round, you know, did a little diagram, drew over it. And um, it got to the creative director of the team at Spotify within like two minutes. Wow. Literally someone tagged it put them in it and then they blocked me i don't know why and then i ended oh, up man. feeling really bad because it's quite a big name i'm not going to say who it was but um i ended up reaching out to them contacted them and uh they was really nice they they explained to me that um a company like spotify huge business and the icon would be trademarked and registered globally yeah so that legal process is incredibly expensive incredibly complicated so if they was to make that tiny little tweak they would have to go through that entire process again and for them that is just not a priority their priority is working on developing the app um you know improving the interface and improving the experience the logo is just one tiny little piece of a much larger picture yeah and um you know, when he explained that, it, it helped me to understand that, you know, that one little tiny little detail in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter. The average yeah. person won't notice that tiny little thing. Um, you know, it's, it's still recognizable and, and so on. Uh, but that that's why a lot of the time I, 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 I don't really like finding bad things and things because i've just got to the point now with twitter it, it always goes to the person and yeah. <laughs> i feel bad no that's okay no, i thought i just because it was one of those ones i'm sure you've asked been asked a lot about logos and ones you love and why do you yeah, love them. yeah. i'm just, just curious though like you know because obviously you've just studied it you know extensively there's always kind of things like you know it's like anything it's like a song that you go i just don't get why people like it it's just not for me it annoys me it's like i don't really yeah. like the beatles they just put me to sleep i'm like i don't get it yeah but like, I, i'm <laughs> hated for that <laughs> so it's like okay i'm just gonna leave it there um i wanted to know also when you were doing logo design what was your first like breakthrough logo that you designed that you were like do you know what i'm kind of really pleased that's working it's got like a nice balance what was the one that made you realize do you know what i could probably I'm good at this. I think I could, could pursue it. Yeah, when I mean when I when I first started working on logos in general, because I'd done a lot of illustration work previously, um I think the first ones I did were actually really good. Yeah. You know, and I felt like I've got I've got a talent for this and other people told me that I've got a you know, a, a, a talent for uh logo design. I mean like the the, the very first ones I did were 
the the bands on MySpace that I mentioned, and they were horrible. But that was primarily because those bands would send over a sketch, and they'd ask me to kind of draw over it, and yeah. it was just a bad idea in the first place. But um, you know, I mentioned about working with the uh, couple of guys on those games. Yeah, some of the first logos that w- that we did were for the computer games, and there was this one we did for a game called Future History, and I created this battle logo and it's it's ridiculously insanely complicated all done in photoshop i wouldn't do anything like it now but um when i look at it now and i can find it out for you if you really want to see it i just think it looks really cool because it's got this uh the 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 e and the h in the middle are two weapons smashed together and they're all cracked apart with this electric bolt that comes across um not the best logo, but I just remember thinking that's really cool. And even when I look back at that, I think it's cool. Um, I did a lot of stuff for games then, and uh, for the agency I worked at as well. There was there's a number of logos that I've I've done, and again I can show you them if you if you want to see them. But yeah. looking back now, they're not that great. But you can see there's a lot of potential to all of them, and. Um, even if they were in use now, to be honest, I'd be happy for them to still be used. You know, they're not that bad. Um, but that's important. But it's just, hopefully, just that, hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just felt like from the beginning, this is something I enjoy and, and I, I think I'm good at it. Um, but I've just learned more about how to make them better. So I've kind of honed those skills that I feel like I had at the beginning. And what kind of qualities would you consider for a good logo to have? So if you're working on a project now or maybe judging on a panel, um, what kind of things are you looking for? Is having like more layers, like hidden meaning, is that important to you? Or, or does it um, have to fit the golden I, ratio I and all say, that kind of stuff? Or what, what's, what's... Like, like I said, um, things like meaning, that's not important. It, it's nice to have, but the... Um, the ultimate goal of a logo is to assist with identification. Yeah. So that is the 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 absolute most critical thing. When you see that logo, um, because of in, um, constant exposure to it, you recognize that logo and associate it with a specific business. So that's that's your ultimate game, but ha- your ultimate goal. But there are certain things that are advised to um, uh, reach to that. So um, within business now, there are loads of companies out there and every business will have competitors. So one of the most crucial things that you would want is to, to differentiate from them. Yeah. So that's one important feature. So what I like to do when I'm working on a logo is understand what businesses um, a customer of theirs would compare them with, so they're direct competitors. When when you see all of them together, is there a gap within there that would make it different? You know, is there a color? You know, something quite distinct like color makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. So if there's a, a red one, a green one, a blue one, maybe there's room for a purple one in there, and that would be what differentiates them. Or you know, maybe there's a specific style or something, but. Yeah. Um, differentiation is definitely key that that helps towards identification um, um, 
you also want to be able to remember what you see and um simple shapes are more memorable than complicated shapes Mm -hmm. and another advantage of simplicity as well is a logo needs to be very versatile you know you you it it, uh, could be used on something as small as like a little uh, button or um you know a little social media icon or it could be used on the side of a building yeah so the 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 logo needs to be really versatile so if it's simple simple helps it to become versatile yes um so i would say they they are kind of the main thing i I can keep going because there's so many different things that that make a, a great logo but definitely differentiation um being versatile uh being um simple so that it can be memorable and um you'd also ideally not want to follow trends yeah subject to the context of it of course um you'd want it to be timeless yeah no but i think I, I, I say subject to context because there might be instances where you might want it to be trendy yes of course you know i uh one example i bring up is um I saw online people start sharing the the graphic design work that was done for the Spice World concert and everyone's okay. complaining it's so tacky and, and stuff like that. But when I looked at that, it's like that is so 90s. They really captured that 90s vibe. Yes. So they've actually taken trends and used them to their advantage. So um, whilst all of what I've said are... Um, I would say that they're not rules. The only real rule is that the the ultimate goal of a logo is identification the rest of it there's ifs and buts and ahs and instances where it might work might what might not work and it, it's all down to con- context at the end of the day no that's really i think i'd agree with that like you say it's kind of those are there are good things to kind of at least i think for people who are looking to design a logo it's always good that's good great criteria to kind of at least hold it up against and then if you can answer them positively you're in a good place I was also wondering, mm. what's some of the best bit of advice you've been given? Um, the, the the first thing that's coming to mind is um, when when I first started in that medical company role, and uh, I'd I'd only been a graphic designer for um, you know about a month or two. Mm. Uh, it must have been a bit longer. Say like six months. So I haven't hadn't had that much skill, and uh, I was working on a a new leaflet for some medical drape or something like that, and I just learned all this stuff in Photoshop, and I wanted to use absolutely everything. So I was using all the textures, I was using drop shadows, lens flares, oh, yeah. you know, everything. I was just doing like the ultimate tacky drawing, and uh, the CEO. Uh, what he did is every morning he'd come around and literally say good morning to everybody. You know, he's quite a, a traditional um, business owner slash CEO that would make sure that he he said hello to every single person in the company. And he just sat behind me. And the only thing he said was, Ian, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And then he walked off. Oh, wow. <laughs> and... Um, yeah that kind of hit a chord with me because it's it's like you're you're right you know uh when i first started working on those brochures i i literally wanted to prove what i could do and i wanted to yes i wanted to make something really complicated because i could 
Um, but at the end of the day, a photo in a nice simple grid with a little bit of typography with the logo in the corner probably would have worked a lot better. Yeah, but for yeah. me, it's, at that time, it was just not exciting to do. I wanted to use everything I learned. So I, I would say that's one thing. And if you don't mind, I'll just add one more as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Just to mind. But um, again, it was, it was at the same company. Uh, I used to do a lot of illustrations and, you know, you, you'd have instances where you have a hand and it needs to open up something. Yeah. And I'd sit there for hours looking at my hand and like drawing it with vectors and um that would take hours and and um when i used to go for training at the the print company i mentioned the guy there told me ian it doesn't matter how you get it done you just need to get it done so he said if it's quicker to take a photo and trace it just do that because everyone just looks at the end thing they don't care how you made it yeah and i'm like oh yeah okay so he said, you know, in the instance, just take a picture of your hand, put it in, trace it, done. Don't sit there wasting time just because you want to prove something to other people. Yes. And I'd imagine that there's a lot of uh, younger graphic designers in particular. They spend hours drawing it just because, you know, they 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 feel like they have to. But actually, you know, things like scissors there's so so many people have done that a thousand times course, the stock yeah. graphic just download the stock image use that um pick things out that have already been done you know purchase stock images purchase you know there, there's loads of things online don't reinvent the wheel use stuff that's already done and you know just try and get things done in in the quickest most effective way possible yeah, I think that's very well. Rather than waste time. Like you say, it's kind of if it's been done and the tools are available, you know, you don't have to sort of be, you know, don't labour the process, just cut to the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, because that guy, he used to laugh at me, like say I'd want to do a perforated line with scissors. Yeah. And I'd have to draw my own pair of scissors. And, and he's like, Ian, look, use that, done. Yeah. <laughs> and it just made me realise, like, yeah, okay, I don't need to... I got nothing to prove, so now I just get on with it. That makes sense. <laughs> and what about a bit of advice, not particularly the worst advice, and we don't have to say who gave you that, but I think it's always interesting to be told things by people and later on you realise, yeah, that was just a terrible thing to, to tell me to do or to follow. Um, I don't know. Nothing nothing comes to mind That's in so, particular. Um, I, I mean, I've had instances where, you know, I've, I've, I've gone for jobs and i've had people say oh you might lose your job and it's like that's the idea <laughs> you know going for opportunities and things like that um but I, I don't think i've had any particularly terrible advice rather nothing comes to mind um right at this point which is a good thing i guess <laughs> yes i think absolutely and i i'd be curious to know a couple of questions because I, I know you're, you're very busy but the, my last points i'd be curious to know if you were to kind of had to start over building your community, what would what would you say are the three things that you would kind of, if we're applying the 80-20 principle to like what's the most effective, what kind um, of three things would you say like if I, for me, I've got to kind of do these things. So it might be back to posting daily about a logo topic or 
always making sure I reply or what no. would you say are the most kind of things that you've noticed that it were kind of that was what it was built on so if I had to do it all over again this is what I'd focus on okay I mean firstly in terms of time I'm happy to to keep going with this if you wanted to yeah, but, um I've I've made mistakes with the community yeah I I admit that I I made mistakes um uh, I don't think I'd drastically change much that I done because uh, when when I started it, I um, only let people in that I felt would really contribute to it. I um, I'd, I'd say that the, the biggest mistake I've done that I would like to do differently now is that I've when when I've seen people in there that are posting absolute nonsense, I've just booted them. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I can tell you now that doesn't go down well with certain people because I uh, when you when you create a community, yeah, one thing that you need to realize that the, these are real people mm-hmm. with real feelings, and even around the topic about logo design, there will be fights. Yeah, it's just inevitable. Yeah. And and as the moderator or owner of the group one of your um, roles is to control that. And um, where I feel like gone wrong is that I've just removed those people, but they can retaliate and attack and do loads of stuff online. And I've had that and uh, it's made me realize that the, the way I dealt with it at the beginning was not the right way. You can't just delete someone. They, they remain online and um, they can write bad reviews and, uh, you know this is actually scorned, happened. in a way sort of thing so they, they yeah and they the they will kind of take yeah they will retaliate on that so there's better ways of um uh dealing with that um i mean how did you uh, but grow yeah i mean in, in, sort of how did you build that up was that organic was it just saying uh, i've started a community now or did it what, what was it that made you want to start that okay Okay, I um, it's a fairly big topic, but I'll try to explain. So Twitter is where I started. Mm-hmm. So that was my um, uh, main focus for a number of years. And uh, how I grew that was um, I made a routine. Um, so every single day I would post something about Lego design. Yeah. And at the beginning, I used a tool called Buffer and I put a queue in or post. And I was having the post go out like twice a day. And I, I made this routine where I would um, interact with people that I know would be interested in logo design, um, follow people that I know were interested in logo design and post logo design related content. Um, I'd also make made sure that, um, you know, I'd put, include things like an image. I'd include things like hashtags. Um, yeah, there was a whole load of things I did on Twitter that allowed that um, audience to grow. So, you know, when when you do a certain routine on any single social media platform every single day, yeah. it will grow. So it doesn't really matter what platform it is. If you make a routine, okay, I'm going to post about this every day. Um, I'm going to stick to one specific topic. I'm going to engage with people that I know would be interested in it. Yeah. It just grows. So um, I did that for years and it grew to a point where I had thousands of followers on um, Twitter. But um, I use Facebook quite a lot 
personally you yeah. know i've got friends and family and stuff on there and i a few years ago probably about two years ago i mean it's fairly recent i i started the facebook group but i joined a group called the designers league yeah and i thought this group is amazing um at that time it's one of the first groups that i joined I, I never really spent that much time in communities but i really enjoyed it i, I thought oh this is brilliant mm. yeah at that time i was also planning what i wanted to do long term because i've always um been fascinated by long-term goals and working towards them mm -hmm. and it was around the same time when i planned okay at some point i want to release a book a training course and do all this stuff and i thought this facebook group is amazing can you imagine if there was one for logo geek if i started it now even though i'm not really ready for it and don't have any of these products and stuff like that i thought this would be a really fantastic thing so i started it I just set it up on the basis that it would take like years to grow and and there probably wouldn't be anyone in it yeah that was literally the way that i thought I, I just thought i just want to get this ready and maybe in five years time or you know whatever there will be you know a few hundred people in there and um working on it early would be beneficial and uh i set it up and then i posted on twitter that i created this group and something happened that I didn't expect. I had like 300 people all in one go wanted to join and everyone was talking and interacting and engaging. And I'm like, what have I just done? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was just really surprised that all these people started joining. Um, and then I noticed that I, I, I learned so many different things and I had to modify the way I was doing things. So um very early on you get loads of people wanting to come in and you think okay i'm just going to accept everybody and everyone has control so everyone can post when you when you first create them unless you set rules and at first it was great because people were chatting and then suddenly you get a fiverr ad come in and it's like, where did that come from oh my god i don't want that fiverr link in there i'd have to delete that and it became a lot of work mm. So I thought, okay, how can I get around this? And that's when I decided to um, turn on post approval. Okay. Because that gave me a little bit more control. And also I set up questions for everyone that joined as well so that I could keep a little bit of quality control there. And um, yeah, I just found that doing that from the outset solved a lot of problems um, that I saw within the group. And it's been interesting because since I did that, a lot of the other graphic design communities on Facebook kind of copied the the model yeah. um, that I created in the group. Um, but yeah, when I would also say when you first create a group, at the beginning, because people are in other communities and no one posts, it's a little bit like tumbleweeds. Mm. People can be members of the group, but unless there's something to engage with, people don't see the group they don't see the post is basically dead so what i did to get the engine going yeah because i know if i i know for a fact that if i kind of started the ball rolling then people would want to engage so i would create topics and i would post them to the group so 
it could be something like what's everyone's favorite logo design and then people want to comment on it yeah and i i found that if you can get people when they first join to engage with the content the facebook algorithm um kind of says oh this person's interested in this content and it will show it them more yes okay. so i make sure that uh i introduce i when when new people come in i do one of those posts where it says hey everybody you know if your name's tagged below introduce yourself yeah. to the group and if they do that then again that that brings them into the group they become more familiar and it, it just keeps growing and it's a lot of work to keep moderating the, the group because like I said earlier, um, even though it's about logo design, it's surprising how many fights I've needed to de defuse. And Yeah. But the thing of it makes sense. You Like you said, you've built the audience. It, it's, it's, it, like you said, this is um, very spot on advice. You've built the audience on Twitter through consistency and providing value and engaging and, and being considerate about what you're posting and staying on topic. And as you said, it was kind of like, well, I've built this platform and now I'm going to take some of that and funnel it into another one and slowly build that. But again, if unless I'm yeah. consistent and I'm making an effort to for people to enjoy it and give value, it's going to die. And mm -hmm. I think it's a bit like spinning plates. It's kind of we all have the idea of got to keep going, but actually you need to give a lot yeah. of attention and love into these things to keep them going. Yeah. But they're, they're, yeah. they're massively important nowadays. So, no, that's like I said, I I like the idea, as you said, of kind of getting people engaged, sticking to a topic and and getting that engagement but also having the filter to kind of control it for when people get a bit bonkers and start spamming the group yeah i think i think the reason why it's all really taken off is because um uh, previously there has never really been a, a proper community or hangout location for logo design no it hasn't ever existed and uh, whilst it wasn't my direct intent to create that, I, I feel that's what it's uh, become. Yes, yeah. Um, like there, there are a lot of other Facebook groups on online, but because they don't get moderated, um, there's uh, really poor conversations. And and I found um, early on that if if it's funny with Facebook groups, but if if I suddenly had a week where there was loads of rubbish posts and and loads of just garbage in the group, all the good people would stop posting. Yeah, and and that's that's been you know uh, something that's been really hard to um, control. You know, because uh, like like I said, literally, if t if there's too much rubbish, people will leave the group or just stop engaging. Yeah. So there's a real fine line between quality versus newbies and stuff like this. And, and that's been hard. But now because it's got to a certain size, it's, it's easier to, to manage. And I, I, I don't notice it so much now. Yeah. Um, but when it first started, that, that was hard. But I, I do genuinely believe because of the moderation and um, uh, being really firm on, on requiring context on posts, that's yeah. that's made the biggest difference. No, you know, if, if someone was, if, sorry for rambling, if someone was just to post uh, a logo and say, what do you think of this? Yeah. I wouldn't approve that. They have to provide context. Okay. Because without context, no one can help them. No. 
so I, I require that and and I do not allow any posts that that doesn't have it so there's actually only a small percentage of posts that actually get accepted into the group and I think because of that it's set, set an expectation and it's helped uh, it's kind of set the standard for what for what's required because because I don't accept that and I, I like to think that's helping the industry in general no absolutely i think those kind of as you said setting the bar high to produce better conversations it's almost mm. like playing tennis against someone who's better than you you have to raise your level in order to compete and just that process of engaging in a quite intellectual mm. discussion you actually learn mm. from other people's opinions you have to be more considerate about your input so i think it like you said it just makes people better it's like anything if you read a book you feel smarter you watch if i watch qi i certainly feel smarter sure. i've really enjoyed it it's kind of like a secondary learning thing mm -hmm. so i think that's mm -hmm. really good um mm. so what i'd like to finish off with ian is obviously a lot of people will be keen to follow you and join your community so where and i know that you're you're boosting your email list where can people catch yeah. up and stay in touch with what you're up to and and join in these okay. conversations Okay, the best place to go is logogeek.uk okay. and from there you'll be able to find me on the um, different platforms. But I, I post a lot on Twitter, at logo underscore geek. Um, I've got a Facebook group called Logo Geek. Um, and like you said about the email list, I, I'm uh, it's it's only something I literally just pushed out this week, but I really want to focus more on my um, email list to help promote the podcast I put together. Yeah. Uh, so I just created a lead magnet, which is at boxset.logogeek.uk. Okay. Um, and I, uh, what I've done is I. Uh, it's pretty juicy. I saw. I it wanted. To, yeah, I wanted to create something really good, and it was advice I got from uh, Tom Ross. But he, um, I've always thought, yeah, just need to create a lead magnet and you, you get emails. But he, he said about creating something inclusive. Yeah. And uh, I tried to understand what that meant. And he literally said to create a bundle that that would attract lots of different types of people. Okay. So it, there is something within there for people that are newbies and something that would also attract people that have a little bit more experience. So I created six ebooks. And uh, each one is about a different area of logo design. And at some point, I'd love to write them all as actual physical books. Uh, but it's six ebooks. I spent months working on it. Um, and it's all free to download in exchange for an email sign up. Uh, so, I mean, if you or anyone else wanted to check that out, it's, it's there. But that's what I'm doing at the moment. That's amazing. <laughs> now, I'll share all those links with the podcast and everything. And, um, yeah, I saw it and it was like this is this is this is more than your average lead magnet. And again, Tom Ross is super smart and switched on and that makes a lot of sense to kind of have this bundle because I was looking over it, I go, actually there's a couple of these I'm really interested by. So like you say, it works, it's gonna draw people in. So hopefully that'll do yeah, well. It should. But thank you. I was you. really surprised. I had a thousand downloads in one day. Crikey. That's a lot. I couldn't believe it. That's Yesterday amazing. my my I've got alerts up so yeah. that I get an alert every time it's downloaded and it just went berserk yesterday. Couldn't believe it. Amazing. Not been like that today. I just mean in the first day. Like, yeah. Well, no, I'm really, <laughs> I remember ages ago, I did like a social media playbook of like just advice on sort of best practices and it, it got quite a few downloads. And like you said, if it's a good enough thing, it does get quite a hit. And like you say, if you can build mm -hmm. it in a way that 
it's fairly timeless and there's genuine quality there i think that's probably the best thing to do yeah, so no so. dude i'm probably so. i'm going to be adding to that list and uh, i'll be looking forward to uh receiving your email so you know that's great cool and thank you so much that's for your time for tomorrow <laughs> yes you've been super generous and always there's so much value so much insight you're extremely humble but very talented and perceptive so all i can do is say thank you for your time and um you're yeah we'll do this again soon sure cool always happy to come on <laughs> thanks ian appreciate it take care no, you're very welcome it's good to speak to you and thanks to anyone that's listened to this cheers bye that means you're extra, extra.